Hey everyone, welcome to the Spoken Gospel Podcast. Just a quick note before today's episode. This summer, we're completing our series of introduction videos with our final season of filming, and we still need to raise about $30,000 to cover those costs, and we would love you to help us with that. And you can do that by visiting the Spoken Gospel website and clicking on Donate. And by doing that, you can contribute to bringing books like the Book of Revelation to life. And whether that's through a one-time gift or a monthly donation, your support makes all the difference in the world. So thank you so much and enjoy today's podcast. This is a picture of how God comes and destroys the empires of the world. Mm. There will be a day coming when the empires of the world, the power of the state will be undone by Jesus with a robe dipped in blood Mm -hmm. and a whole bunch of other martyrs clothed in white who have also died. (laughs) For the name of Jesus. Yeah. And by the simple words coming out of his mouth, they are utterly destroyed. Welcome to the Spoken Gospel Podcast. Spoken Gospel is a ministry that's dedicated to speaking the gospel out of every corner of Scripture. In Luke 24, Jesus told his disciples that every part of the Bible is about him. In each episode, hosts David and Seth work through a passage of Scripture to see how it's all about Jesus and his good news. Let's jump in. Well, welcome everyone to the Spoken Gospel Podcast. We are hopefully concluding our look at the book of Revelation today. And uh, to give you an overview of where we've been so far, in case this is your first video or podcast, we started off with looking at what is the book of Revelation, what is apocalyptic literature. Start there if you've missed that one. Please start there. Then we looked at kind of the, the biggest three themes through the book in two episodes. The first we looked at was the theme of the blood of the martyrs and conquering through suffering. And then in the third episode, we looked at the two themes of God's throne and sovereignty and control and the bride uh, and the marriage supper of the lamb. So uh, that's what we've looked at so far. And we feel like hopefully at this point, we've now laid down the foundation well enough to just walk through the book as a narrative and look at it like a story and get it all in your head. Yeah. So, how you feeling about that, Seth? You feeling excited? About I'm feeling that? really great. One of the things we said at the very, very first episode, in the very first words that John uses to write the book of Revelation is, this is an apocalypse. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we talked about how apocalypse is meant to give hope to people mm-hmm. through a story. Yeah. Uh, so we really wanted to just lean into that and give the story of Revelation yes. in as best of a narrative as we could try for all you to read it on, on your own. Yes. So, so I think what we're going to enter into here, I'm just going to kind of put parentheses around what's about to happen because it's probably, hopefully plays out a little different than normal. Okay. That's what I'm going to say. Yes. Is I'm going to let Seth kind of walk us through the story of the book. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to try to speak for you guys when I get confused. Yeah. But other than that, I just want to listen to the story of the book and kind yeah. of follow you through it. And then we can have a conversation mm-hmm. after that. But I'm like, what is yes. this story of hope yes. that God has given to those suffering for Jesus mm-hmm. in the book of Revelation? What's the story? So the story opens with the problem real life people are facing in seven churches, Mm. right? But before we get to the problems in seven churches, we're given a vision of this shining figure in the very opening. There's a voice speaking in the middle of seven golden lampstands. And in the middle of the lampstands is one like a son of man, clothed in long robes with a golden sash around his chest. The hairs on his head are white. He's blazing. He looks like burnished bronze when he speaks. It sounds like the roar of rushing waters coming out of his mouth. And John is immediately falls on his face in fear, worshiping this figure. And this figure says, I have defeated death in Hades. <laughs> it is a vision of Jesus tending seven lamps in this kind of cosmic space. So it's like this kind of strange image that we're not used to, but to the people reading this, they would have understood 
that Jesus is dressed like a priest. He's got a sash like a priest. He's dressed like a priest. And what priests tend to in one part of the courtyard were these lampstands. There's these seven lamps in the courtyard of the temple and Jesus is tending to them, right? And then he immediately says, these seven lampstands that Jesus is tending to is you, churches. And he calls the seven churches he's about to address the lampstands that Jesus is tending to. Mm -hmm. And then he goes and he unpacks in seven different letters, intense spiritual danger, Hmm. seven different ways, framing and explaining and speaking to temptations and dangers that the people are facing, whether direct persecution and imprisonment and death or the temptation to like uh, accommodate to false teaching Mm -hmm. or to uh, accept like a, a lack of love and a lack of zeal in their faith. Like just, a church in grave spiritual danger. Mm. But this church in grave spiritual danger is being tended to by Jesus. Mm. That's how the story starts. Okay? I love it. Any questions? No, that's beautiful. Uh, Jesus is the priest, and we are the lamps in his temple that he's tending to. Making sure we stay lit. That's right. That's right. Okay. Giving us a little bit of oil when we need it. That's the picture. That's beautiful. But the call at the end of each of these little letters these little letters is to conquer mm. and to persevere and to endure suffering the way in which this priest is tending the lamps is to encourage them to enter into suffering boldly mm. and so he gives them a story a series of visions to help them conquer to encourage them to conquer to give I them see. hope in the midst of suffering. Okay. And the first vision is of a throne room, of mm. God sitting on a throne and Jesus being given the authority to sit next to God himself. So not only is he a priest tending him, he's an authoritative priest. Mm. He's got the power of God behind him to tend and keep these seven churches, right? Mm-hmm. And as Jesus ascends to his throne, he is given a scroll. And on this scroll are seven seals, so you can't open it. Okay. And Jesus is the only one that can't open it. Yeah. For the purpose of the story, there's a, there's a, no one can open this scroll except Jesus. And on the inside of this scroll is the announcement of God's final kingdom, where he is with his people perfectly and finally, where there's no more crying, no more tears, no more sorrow. The end of the world as they knew it, the start of God's forever kingdom is written on the scroll. Mm. And Jesus is there to open the scroll, right? Rock on. Rock on. Yeah, I love it. And so what he does is he pops off the seven wax seals sealing this scroll shut. Okay. And as he pops them off, violence starts happening on the earth. Now, there's a couple different ways to read this. We've just seen Jesus enthroned in heaven. Mm -hmm. He is now ready to read the scroll of history and bring his kingdom come. So what do we expect to be described Kind of just in a blank historical sense. Mm. Oh, the actions of the church in the world. He's been resurrected and his people are now ready to act like the church in the world. And so some scholars think uh, what we read is the four horsemen of the apocalypse. That's the Mm. first of the four seals. So some scholars think that this is like the actions of the church. As the church goes out, they are the four horsemen of the apocalypse preaching the gospel. And as they do so, persecution rises up, Mm. empires rise up, death follows them antagonism towards the way of jesus think of like stephen preaching the gospel and immediately being stoned or think about the ways in which uh the early christians like agabus prophesied famines Mm. the way ananias and Sapphira dropped dead when they lied about the way that they were handling their money donated to the church the church goes out in power but it also goes with death and persecution and antagonism that's one way to read it okay these seals are the uh (laughs) the actions of the church or they're the first actions of the powers against the church. Oh man, those are very different. I, right, uh, <laughs> right. Um, either way, though, Jesus is sitting on his throne, and he wants to open the kingdom, the scroll, and announce the coming of the kingdom of God. And there is on the earth a season of violence. I see. Uh, right. And so, to clarify, yep. In order to open up the scroll that tells the end of God's eternal kingdom. Yep some kind of suffering and violence has to happen. Yeah. And that's kind of the common denominator between the two views. That's right. That's right. Either the church goes out and they suffer or the evil empire rides out and causes the church to suffer. Yes. Either way, 
in order for the final kingdom to come, God's people have to suffer. That's right. And right in the middle of these seals, this is when we've talked about this already, but a first group of martyrs cries out and says, God, when, when will you avenge our blood? Highlighting that idea of God's people suffering. Right. Okay. So like in order for the kingdom to come, mm -hmm. God's people must suffer. Okay. That's and the seals. That's the seals. And Copy. they ask, when is this going to happen? And then we get this story about a group of people named the 144,000. And it's symbolic of all those who will one day die in the faith mm. and be united to Jesus. And the answer God gives to these people wondering how long it will be until God avenges their blood. His, his answer is not until the full number of the martyrs comes in, not until the full number of my people have suffered. Mm. That's when the kingdom will come. Right? Yes. So the seven seals are opened and there's a prophecy that before... The scroll can be read in its fullness. Before the kingdom can come, there's suffering that needs to happen, a purification of God's own people mm. that needs to happen, or a glorification of God's own people. They right. need to sit on their thrones. Yeah. There are people that have not taken their throne in heaven yet, and they must sit on their throne before the kingdom comes. Mm. I can't rule the whole kingdom by myself, guys. Right. And so I need people on my side before the kingdom comes. Yeah. Yeah, I see. And, and another way to think about it, like, what are you waiting for? What's the full number is like what we talked about in the second episode that we, when we looked at the blood of the martyrs are purifying the earth. And God's yeah, like, yeah. there's more good I want to do on the earth. Mm -hmm. And so the yes. more, it sounds weird, but it's like the more that my people suffer, the more people get saved. Yeah. And so it's like, I'm not ready yet to avenge because there's more people I want to save. Yeah. Okay. That's right. So God says this suffering must come, mm -hmm. but he eventually pops off all seven seals, right? Yep. And as soon as he pops off the seventh seal, there is total silence in heaven. Mm. Do you know why? No. Because they're waiting for him to read it. Oh, duh. <laughs> right? It's, it's so obvious. It's so obvious. I, I mean, I guess I probably would have been like, oh, the seventh seal is quiet. The day of rest, the Sabbath, which may be. Which may be. But yeah, it's just like, they're quiet. Why? Open the scroll and read it. Open the scroll and read it. So they're all popped off. He opens the scroll to read it, but he doesn't read it. What? Instead, seven trumpets sound. But quiet trumpets? Uh, uh, but think about, the, think about it for the perspective of God as a king. Yeah. He has an edict for mm. the inauguration of a new kingdom. A royal decree. A royal decree at the beginning of a new world order. It's been sealed for a long time. It's ready. The seals pop off. And what is an edict of a king announced with? <laughs> Fanfare. <laughs> Trumpets blaring yeah. of the dawning of the new kingdom of God, right? Mm -hmm. And this also makes sense of the way the Old Testament kingdom of Israel was established in the first place. In the Old Testament, when Israel was announced on Mount Sinai, yep. Moses was given not a scroll, but tablets mm -hmm. that were the laws of a kingdom. Right. And then while he's on Mount Sinai, trumpets blare before he comes out and announces the laws to his people. Right. So when Israel was first became a nation, there was a, there was a scroll of a kind, writings from God that announced the beginning of a of kingdom. kingdom that were fanfare trumpets came along with it. So yep. it's following the pattern of the Old Testament, yes. but also of all kings, yeah. announcing the beginning of a new era. Okay, so the trumpets blow. So the trumpets blow, and what the trumpets do is they unleash another set of judgments on the earth, another set of sufferings on the earth. And in particular, these sufferings all repeat and are variations of the plagues that happen in the book of Exodus. Oh, okay. Yeah. So are they, is there debate about where they're focused? Are they focused on like, oh, the church suffers or is it against God's enemies? Is it universal? It depends on your view okay. and it could be both and, yep. but I think the purpose here, if you think about the establishment of a new nation, before Israel got to Mount Sinai, they were in Egypt. Mm -hmm. The establishment of a new nation begins in Egypt, right? right? Yeah. When they're freed from their oppressors and in a fire and a rainfall of plagues, right? Yes. And during that time, what is the hope of the plagues? What is the purpose oh, of the plagues? It was that to change Pharaoh's heart so he would let God's people go? That's right. Yep. And so in this particular place, there's suffering happening yeah. against the people of God at the hands of world powers. Yeah. And there is a whole host of plagues being poured out on the earth 
to change the heart of the world powers, mm. to join the people of God so that God can create a new nation. The trumpets are an invitation right. to the new kingdom. Of course. Of those who are currently oppressing God's people. Yeah. I mean, that makes sense. It's like a trumpet. It's like, right. Look over here. <laughs> yeah. It's like, yeah. here's the trumpet. Come and join. Yeah. This is your last You can join the nation if yeah. you choose to. Okay. And in Egypt, what happened? A lot of people did come from Egypt with Israel There's to establish a mixed the new multitude. A mixed multitude. Yeah. Okay. That's right. So I think that's what's happening here. Yes. Okay. Okay. The blaring of the trumpets. Yes. In anticipation of the reading of the scroll that announces the beginning of God's kingdom. Okay. I have a question about the suffering. Yeah. Should I wait until the next seven to ask it? Because is there going to be more suffering? There is more suffering to come. I'll just wait. You'll just wait. Keep going. One of the things that we could talk about here is like, when does this suffering happen? Is this suffering in the abstract? This goes back to like, when do you date the book? Mm -hmm. I gave the example of, of Stephen previously. Like mm -hmm. imagine like the gospel writing out and the first martyr is Stephen. He's right. crying in heaven. When yeah. is... It's going to end. Right. And we've talked previously, too, about how these events are descriptive of the time leading up to the destruction of Jerusalem in AD 70 by the Roman Empire. Mm -hmm. So it could be the case that while the seals could describe the suffering of the early church, these are indicative of a new era of suffering, not just by Jews, because the suffering of the early church was mainly happened to Christians by their Jewish brothers right. and Think sisters. Think about Saul. Think about Saul, right. right? That's exactly right. Saul is a great example because mm -hmm. Stephen is martyred. Saul immediately is persecuting more Christians, right? Right. So a lot of the persecution happened within Judaism. Within Judaism, yep. but these are descriptive of a, an empire like Pharaoh's empire. Mm -hmm. And during the reign of Nero, mm -hmm. this ramped up significantly yes. in the AD, in the years eighty sixty four to eighty sixty eight. So just up to two years before the fall of Jerusalem. Mm -hmm. So it's possible that that's when this is happening. The other view here is that this is just symbolic of suffering throughout all eras of church history. Right, the church is always being persecuted. That's right. Right. Uh, so anyway, uh, okay. that's where we are now. Cool. So um, the empires of the world are invited to join the coming kingdom of God. Through the these different plagues. Through the trumpets being, okay. being blared. And now there are two little interludes okay. where the action kind of stops. We're only at, I believe, trumpet six. So before the seventh trumpet uh, is blown, we have yep. two interludes and two separate stories. And they are descriptions of what the church should be doing, the lampstands should be doing, while they experience this new era of persecution. Oh, okay. Okay? So yeah. it's like during this time when there's judgment coming upon the empires of the world in hopes that they would join the kingdom of God, what is your job, yeah. Christians? And so John sees a vision of an angel giving him a scroll. Oh. Just like Jesus was given a scroll. Yeah. And he's told to eat it. The angel is supposed to eat it? John is supposed John's to eat supposed it. John's supposed to eat it. John's supposed to eat the scroll, and he says it's going to taste sweet, uh, but it'll be bitter in his stomach. Mm. But this is the message he must proclaim nevertheless. Uh, he should announce it to all peoples, tribe, languages, and tongues. Okay. So the second image is of these two witnesses. Yes. These two characters who are called lampstands. Okay. And they are proclaiming the gospel. Yeah. They're preaching and they have all these signs associated with the Old Testament prophets. They are living out the Old Testament realities of people who are speaking the word of God, mm -hmm. right? But they are persecuted by the empire. They are killed. Their blood drains into the streets. Mm. But eventually that, that blood cries out and then the empires fall. And people worship God because of their testimony. Okay. Okay. Yep. So these are the two the Those two the images and okay. in the interludes. So what I think this is a picture of mm -hmm. is during AD sixty four to sixty eight during the reign of Nero, mm -hmm. at the very least. At the very least. Perhaps or all during all persecution all at the very most. The message that Christian the sweet message that tastes bitter mm. is that death comes before life right and we must be willing to die in order to experience eternal life in a right. throne with god which is what we explored in the second episode that's, that's exactly like the right. main theme of revelation and then these two lampstands who mm -hmm. are acting like old testament prophets who die under the nations oh are brought back to life and the nations are judged and repent based on their actions in the world so this is the same thing we've been talking about this whole time. That's right. It's a living picture of It's a living picture that as Christians are willing to proclaim the testimony of Jesus and mm -hmm. spill their own blood, the world itself will come to know Jesus and the empires themselves will be crushed. Okay. 
Okay. That makes sense. That's right. And then the seventh trumpet is blown. Okay. So at the end of the seven trumpets, what do we expect? We expect the reading of the scroll. Right, yeah. Right? Duh. Uh, and so Write down again. We're going to read it. Yeah, we're going to read it. But when the seventh trumpet is blown, what we see in the heavens is found in chapter 11, verse 19. Then God's temple in heaven was opened, and the Ark of the Covenant was seen within his temple. Oh. And there were flashes of lightning, rumblings, peals of thunder, an earthquake, and a heavy hail. <laughs> so the seventh trumpet is blasted. And then the courtrooms of heaven's temple are open. And then we see God's ark, mm -hmm. the symbol of his power and authority revealed. Yeah. Okay. That's significant for a couple different reasons that I haven't mentioned yet. Oh boy. So not only do trumpets in the Old Testament signify the beginning of a nation. Yeah. They also signify the start of a battle. Right. Yeah. I'm, I'm thinking like Jericho. That's right. Yeah. And what did Jericho, how did that battle occur? They walked around it for seven days. Carrying seven, the ark. Carrying the ark. Blowing trumpets. And then on the seventh day, trumpets were yeah. blown and the city fell. Totally. Right? So, okay. Now, that, so we expected the thing to be red, right? Right. But it's like, oh, wait a second. Now that the empires of the world are, are judged for a period of time and Christians are remaining faithful, the ark is suddenly seen. Oh, we expect a final battle. We expect right. a final trumpet blast that mm -hmm. brings down the empires of the world in a climactic way right. so that we can be victorious. Yes. Was it on the seventh day that Jericho fell? Yeah. Seventh okay. Day. Seventh trumpet. Okay. Se yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I'm tracking. Yeah, I'm yeah, tracking. Yeah. Okay. So we are then given seven pictures. Oh gosh. Okay. Uh, hold on. Hold on. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I was, I was hanging on by a thread Great. from the last interlude. Okay. So why the, I just got to stop. Yes. Like why the interludes? Like, okay. why not just be like, here's seven seals, seven trumpets, seven bowls, and then some other stories. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Why interrupt the yeah, order yeah, yeah, of yeah, things? Yeah, because yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, it just like throws you for a loop. I mean, this isn't just apocalyptic literature. Mm. It's not just a narrative. It's also a prophecy. Mm -hmm. And what did the Old Testament prophets call people to do? They, repent. To repent to or to do what God... In, to, yeah, to, to obey. To obey, right? right? Yeah. And so these, I think these are the prophetic oracles mm. throughout it in some right. way. Because he says, I have an apocalypse for you and listen to this prophecy. Yeah, and I have yeah. teaching, instruction. There's a moral aspect to this book yes. in which it's encouraging people to be faithful and to persevere and to conquer right. despite the cost. Okay. I think I get that because there's like, if you, you're blowing the trumpets and you know, Babylon or, you know, the empires of the world are being judged. Mm -hmm. And it's like, okay, I see that happening. What am I supposed to do during this time? Like you said, right. Is like, you need to remember that you might have to die too. Yes. But life and the expansion of the kingdom will come out on the other side. Yes. Remember that. Okay. Yeah. All right. On with the trumpets. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now the trumpets have blown. The ark is here. Final battle time. Mm -hmm. I'm like, great, let's go. Battle time. And then is he going, wait, let me teach you again? Uh, is he interrupting the narrative? I don't know. Okay. <laughs> yeah, <that's fair. laughs> There's a point at that my knowledge <laughs> I, ends. Yeah. Everyone's. Yes. Yeah, we're at the limits of my knowledge here. <laughs> yeah. So I honestly don't know. But maybe if I describe it to you, we can come up with an answer. Sure. I just at least wanted a voice. Uh, my, my, where, where are my brains at right now? I think, I mean, if we were just to follow the narrative, mm -hmm. we could probably skip over in some ways to the seven plagues or to chapter 14. We could oh, skip sure. over a little bit, but to just, to narrate the story. Yeah, as going. I, I, I just want to be like, okay, I'm just noticing what the interludes are doing to me right now. Yes. And I'm, I'm just preparing for the next one. So yes. the seventh trumpet blows, the ark comes in. And I'm like, great, read the scroll and let's go to battle. Yes. We got everything we need. Yep. And, and so, it's like, okay, well, hold on. Before the scroll can be read, a battle needs to be had. Right. And yeah. which I guess I'm I'm peeking ahead at the titles uh, yes. over my chapters. And I'm like, oh, well, before we go to battle, who's the enemy? Yeah. It's like, okay. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's okay. great. That's I'm super like, helpful. That's, I'm like, okay, that uh, makes sense. So <laughs> Who are we when, fighting? So, yeah. So John then de defines the enemy. Okay, great. And he starts in chapter 12 by giving this picture of a pregnant woman about to give birth with a dragon crouched at her hips. And I, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> and we talked about this in the last episode. We did. And yep. this, is a this is a picture of God's people throughout all time. Right. 
that God's people have been waiting for the Messiah to be born. Mm -hmm. And there's been an enemy trying to swallow that child up and swallow God's people up at the same time. Right. That's been the story that's of the whole Old Testament. It's the serpent with Eve. That's right. Okay. Um, And then that story evolves Mm. into the current era these people are living in. Okay. So he describes this this kind of cosmic serpent in woman. She's got like 12 stars around her head. But this serpent is thrown down to the earth. Okay. And while it's on the earth, it starts gathering powers to itself. It calls up out of the sea a um a beast we talked about this in the very very first episode yes and satan calls about the sea this beast that looks a lot like the beast from daniel Mm -hmm. and they symbolize a world power yes coming up out of the sea more than likely in my opinion uh, a reference to like the gentile nations Mm -hmm. so maybe so maybe rome so satan is calling upon the powers of rome Mm -hmm. to uh, help it in its battle to kill the Messiah, mm-hmm. or or at least the, the followers of the Messiah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then there's a second beast that comes up out of the land. And really, this is an interpretive point that we have not talked about. Mm. But all over, you'll see the world, the words "earth" and "world" uh-huh. used throughout the whole Book of Revelation. They are very specific terms, and oftentimes it is the word "land," mm. which is a it's kind of like a coded Hebrew way to talk about the land of Israel. Oh, sure. The promised uh, land. Right. And so I The place be, where we're supposed to be, where the kingdom is. That's, that's, that's yeah, right. Totally. So coming up out of the land. Oh, could mean like this was an Israelite. This was an Israelite. And oh, we, um, yeah. And oh, we, you mentioned this in the first episode. That's right. Yeah, that's yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. So there's another force that lends its authority to the first beef to mm-hmm. attack the people of God. Right. So what this seems to be describing is that Satan is evolving his tactics to attack the people of God. He's mm-hmm. not just going to use Judaism. He's not going to just use Rome. There's going to be a combination of mm-hmm. fa- of Judaism and Rome to persecute the believers of God, right? Yeah. In this and this is just a crazy image. You know, you could imagine being totally overwhelmed by this. Yeah. And then as the enemy has been defined, John looks up one more time and then he sees 144,000 people. Again, Again, he sees the, the number of those who are supposed to be slain for the faith. Right? Oh, right, but in the first time they were introduced, we were just told how many there would be. Yes. But, like, the judgment wouldn't happen until they were all there. That's right. Are they all there now? Well, that's what I think is happening oh, in this passage. So okay. he sees he sees them, and they don't take the mark of the beast. They maintain the Shema. Not, mm-hmm. uh, they maintain faithfulness and allegiance to right. God. Which if you don't um, know what we're talking about, go back to the first yeah, episode. Go back, yeah, go back to the first episode. Yes, and they appear right here. Mm-hmm. And then Jesus, or an angel, starts speaking. And he says, uh, there's a voice heard in heaven speaking to John. Write this, blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Blessed indeed, says the Spirit, that they may rest from their labors for their deeds follow them. So there's just this moment at the end of the the naming of the enemy, of the defining of the enemy, of the combined forces of empire and false religion, mm-hmm. there is this final call for faithfulness of God's people, right? Yeah. And then there's a great harvest on mm. the earth. And this is a really famous image in the book of Revelation, but it ends with a whole bunch of grapes being poured into a wine press of God's wrath. Right. And the images of God stamping on these grapes. Or that's the way I've, uh, that's the way, that's the way it's e- most easily read. God stamping on these grapes and blood pours out of this wine press uh, and fills up the earth uh, as high as a horse's bridle for m- hundreds of miles in any d- one direction. It's like a new flood. It's like a new flood of blood. Yeah. A flood of blood. And so. What's happening here is the question. I was just about to ask that. <laughs> uh, so we've we've named the beasts. We have seen the new martyrs. Uh-huh. And so there's a difference of interpretation here. Some people will say, well, this is a destruction of God's enemies. Those that have had the mark of the beast mm-hmm. are thrown into the wine press of God's wrath. And in that moment, God judges them. Mm. He vindicates his people in that moment. They've been named, right? Right. They've been named. They've been sealed so God can finally destroy the enemies, the followers of the beast, and inaugurate his kingdom, right? Mm-hmm. Another way to read this is that the wine coming out of this wine press mm-hmm. is actually the, the blood of the martyrs. Mm. 
And this evokes God's wrath. I see. The beast and false religion have joined. They have killed the 144,000. And there's a wine press flooding the streets of Jerusalem. Right. And God is angry at the blood of his people. I mean, I I could see that making sense because, you know, earlier on we read this idea of the martyrs saying, when are you mm-hmm. going to take action? When mm-hmm. are we going to go to battle? That's right. And he says, once 144,000 have died. Yes. Well, now 144,000 have gathered. Yep. Blood is spilled. And now it's time to act. Right. Which is why the next set of seven judgments is a set of seven bowls. Okay. And this is 16 verse one. Then I heard a loud voice from the temple telling the seven angels, go and pour out on the earth the seven bowls of the wrath of God. Yep. We were just told what the wrath of God was. He is angry at the fact that 144,000 of his own, and I think that's symbolic, symbolic all of God's people yeah. have been martyred and killed by the combined forces of imperial power and false religion. Yeah. And he is coming to judge. And the way that he's going to judge, he's going to take the blood of the martyrs and pour it back out onto mm. evil itself. Yeah. And that's the way it will be finally judged. They will be a sacrifice. So going back to it, why is it a bull? I was just about to ask. Okay. Because a bull is an image of a sacrifice. This is a priestly image. Yes. And what do priests do? They take blood out of something mm-hmm. to purify something. Right. So when, and think about this, we were talking about the establishment of a kingdom. Whenever Israel was first made a kingdom on top of Mount Sinai, uh-huh. there was a scroll or a tablet, a tablet yeah. trumpets being blared. And then Moses took a bowl full of blood and sprinkled it on his people. And he said, you are now my people. Well, that, okay. Right? So it's like, and this was supposed to purify them and yep. mark them as God's own. So why is it called the bowl of God's wrath if it's a bowl of God's purification? Well, because God, that's what wrath does. Wrath, wrath purifies. Wrath purifies. God's justice at evil is being poured out on the earth and he's wiping it out. Oh, I see. So it does one of two things. Yes. Either people see the wrath and respond in repentance, thus being purified. Yes. Or they remain hard-hearted like Pharaoh mm-hmm. and they're blotted out, therefore purifying the land. That's right. Of their injustice. Yeah. And I good see. call on using Pharaoh because all these are repetitions of Pharaoh-like plagues. Ah. Um, they're all like mutated and horrific and like giant, but these are... What's happening? A repetition of the plagues that kicked off the start of yeah. God's people. Which that makes um, sense. It's like, right. and why did God send the plagues in the first place? God's people cried out from persecution in yeah. Exodus. They're mm-hmm. like, Lord, we're being persecuted in Exodus. How long? Are you, like, aren't you going to come and bring us back to our land and make a kingdom? And he's like, yes, and I'll yeah. free you with these plagues and he does it again. Yeah. It's a new Exodus story. That's right. Okay, cool. That's right. And then, so these the blood of the martyrs has finally been filled up. Yep. It's being poured out on the earth as a judgment against them. Like, like this efficacious cleansing blood of the martyrs kind of, you know, mm-hmm. it's kind of crazy idea. And then the seventh bowl, when it's finally poured out, there's this just giant, massive, what feels like the end of the world. The seventh bowl is poured out. Uh, and there were flashes of lightning, rumbles, peals of thunder, a great earthquake such as never has been since man was on the earth. So great was that earthquake. The great city was split into three parts and the cities of the nations fled. And God remembered Babylon the great to make her drain the cup of the wine, of the fury of his wrath. He's making Babylon drink the mm-hmm. cup of the martyrs she has killed. And great hailstones fell down. About 100 pounds each fell from heaven. And they cursed God for the plague of hail because the plague was so severe. So this is a picture of God vindicating those he has that have Mm -hmm. been faithful to him even unto death. Right. Questions. Yeah, uh, yeah, I'm I'm nervous to ask the question. Because what I love the way you're telling the story is it's helping me understand how the book's laid out. And especially what message it's communicating. Yep. And, like using the Old Testament, and it's it's communicating these themes, mm-hmm. right? It's communicating ideas. Mm-hmm. It's really helpful. So I don't know if this question is helpful or not, but I I bet every single person listening is thinking it, <laughs> and it's yeah. just like, what is all this about? Like like, and I know we talked about there's different ways to interpret it, obviously. Yeah. But should we be waiting for hailstones? So was there a yeah. was there a thunderstorm at a certain year that this is referring to? Is it? You, 
is it talking yeah. about anti-aircraft missiles like <laughs> I think that's yeah, yeah. Thing. obviously it's the question everybody's asking so i think a really compelling reading not the only one Yep. I, don't, I don't know. I'm 65% sure this sure. might be the way to read it. Uh, but I think the seven seals are indicative of the suffering the early church experienced. Okay. I think the seven trumpets are the heightened persecution underneath Nero. Mm -hmm. And these seven bowls are the destruction of Jerusalem. Okay. This is Israel. This is the old world order finally falling apart. Mm-hmm. And the new world order of God's kingdom from heaven with his people, the church, being established. And so these are progressions on one another, mm -hmm. incremental progressions of, of persecution leading to the inauguration of a new kingdom. Great. That's one way to read it. Yeah. The other way to read it is that the seven seals and the seven trumpets and the seven bowls functionally talk about the same thing. Right. They All three of them end with a fairly stark announcement of the end of the world right something very cataclysmic um and so people read this this is the idealistic mm -hmm, that we talked about in the first episode yeah or the the, the recapitulationist position or the pattern uh, the pattern reading which is the, is the other one i find most compelling is mm -hmm. a, no these are symbolic of all time right god's people will suffer but god's enemies will be judged until one final day when the world is totally remade. Right. And then the story starts again. Right. To show us that th same thing from a different perspective. I yes. think you gave the analogy of a football. A football game. A football game. And the book of Revelation is giving us three different sets of seven. One set of seven of judgment and recreation from the front row. One from the the nosebleeds and one from the blimp in the air. But it's the same game every time. It's the same game every time. Right. So that could be the other way to read it. Yeah. Uh, does that answer your question? It's helpful. I just like, and I know there's, and I know everyone listening, I know there's other interpretations. That's not yes. what we're here to talk about. And there's room for how you're, right. you're, you're reading the Bible. We, we were trying to focus on the main themes. I just wanted to like bring it down to earth for just a second in some form. Yes. Just to help. Yes. Because we know that these, like you said, these are symbols. These are symbols. And so if we don't do that work in some way and show how we get there, yes. I feel like we're not doing the whole thing. And just so. to go ahead and like, I think there's a good reason to think that this is the destruction of the temple. Mm -hmm. And it really goes into the next images in chapter 17 and 18. Okay. In chapter 17, we're given this image of a great prostitute. Mm. And she is riding the dragon. Epic. <laughs> epic. Drinking the blood of the martyrs and getting drunk. More epic. Uh, right. And eventually she is destroyed. Okay. That's kind of the end of that story. Okay. But just live with me with those images for sure. a moment. Okay. Israel is never called Babylon in the Bible. Right. Correct. Yes. Right. I think so. I think uh, she's like, she takes on some characteristics of it. A, there's some like ironic some, things that tie is, her to Babylon. Yeah. But only Israel is ever described as a prostitute. Yes. Because she's God's wife. She's God's wife. Who goes astray. And she is allying herself with world powers, failing to trust God alone. Oh, no. I see where you're going. Uh, <laughs> failing to trust God alone. and But because she's doing that, she is called a harlot. That's she right. She's called yes. a prostitute. Jeremiah, Hosea. It happens right. again and again. And what does this harlot Israel, when it allies itself with other powers, do to the people of God? Kills them kills them yeah. she kills the prophets right. she drinks their blood right what was jesus's critique of israel and oh, jerusalem oh israel the city that kills its prophets the city that kills its prophets so i think the reason why we should view it this way is because the imagery seems to lend itself for us to understand that this is a a very graphic picture of the way that of Israel at her worst if Israel at her worst yeah. and ultimately because it killed Jesus right oh absolutely it's like the ultimate martyr the ultimate martyr Jesus colluding with Rome right. and then increasing who, kill, who killed Jesus was it the prostitute or the beast or the dragon right which it's both it's both she was riding on his back drinking his blood yeah and like yeah. that's the image of right. what Israel has become and so I've never heard that before. Okay, uh, that was really helpful. And so what's ha what's happening in this moment? That yeah. world order that killed Jesus, mm -hmm. that world order built around the temple that was killing uh the followers of Jesus in cahoots with Rome and yep. Nero will end. Yes. It will be destroyed. Right. And in its place a new temple is established in heaven and we join with him. Yeah. 
a new, the world as we know it has ended. Right. Something new has begun. Right. And the gates of hell cannot prevail against it. That's right. Right. That's right. Okay. All of chapter 18 is celebrating, singing the fact <laughs> that Babylon, the false people of God, have fallen. The, the, the Babylon that drinks the blood of the martyrs mm, is fallen. Yeah. And we're invited to the wedding feast. Okay. Uh, yeah. That actually, I mean, that makes a ton of sense. Yeah, it does. Yeah. And now, right. So that's, I think, the big story of the book of Revelation. But here's a couple problems. Oh, okay. Uh, and the story hasn't ended yet. Yeah, we got to get to the end. So. We'll pick back up at the party. Babel, if Babylon is Israel okay. and Babylon has been judged, who's still around? Hmm. Rome. Rome comes and destroys Israel in AD 70. Oh, I and understand. Rome still rules the land. There was persecution that happened right. under Roman power, yep. right? Mm -hmm. So what happens to Rome? Mm. Right? So yeah. that, that's still the problem that's lingering in the air. Okay. And the the problem is that yes, we've destroyed the in cahoots model that's killed the martyrs and killed Jesus and Mm -hmm. And is causing a real problem with this conflagration of religion mm -hmm. and politics with yeah. Israel and Rome. But you get rid of the temple and you disperse all the Jews. Rome's still there. Mm -hmm. And it's still persecuting Christians. Yeah. And what does the book of Revelation have to say about that? Is that the problem? I think that's the problem as I understand, I understand it. Okay. And so, okay. And... To be very frank, that's the problem that hasn't been solved since the destruction of the temple. Right. There's we, always evil empires oppressing Christians and right. doing evil in the world. Yeah, the yeah, like that's exactly <laughs> right. So like the problem of Rome continues today. Right. So I think it's at this point the book of Revelation starts moving out of referencing AD 70 mm -hmm. and moving into the realities of the future. Right. Yeah. It's also helpful, I think, at this point to be like in the first episode, we talked about, like, is it historical or is it pattern? Right. And it's like the reason why we're like, I think there's a bit of both going on here mm -hmm. is because you're like, okay, what about Rome? You know, what about communist China? Yeah. What about ISIS? What about, you know? Yeah. Yeah, go read Revelation again. Right. Go back. The story is the same. Yeah. God's going to react to evil empires the same way he always does. Mm -hmm. He's in control. He's going to vindicate martyrs and he's going to judge evil. Mm -hmm. Okay, but what happens about the next? Go back. Right. Read it again. This story yeah. is going to play out again and again and again until we, as you said, yeah. get to yeah. this next part of the story yeah. when the final kingdom comes and there will not be another evil empire to rise. Yes. Take us there. Yeah. So when Babylon falls, mm -hmm. when the false temple falls, when God's people are married mm -hmm. to Jesus in a unique way that wasn't happening beforehand or had been happening, but it was inaugurated and made real once that temple right. fell. Which right? we talked about in the last episode. Which we talked about in the last yes. episode. That happens, but Rome still exists. Yes. Powerful empires still exist. Right. So what happens to them? Mm. And then we get this image of Jesus riding a white horse. Mm. Uh, this is in Revelation chapter 19, verse 11. Then heaven opened, and behold, a white horse, and the one sitting on it was called Faithful and True, and in righteousness he judges and makes war. His eyes are like a flame of fire, and on his head are many diamonds, and he has a name Diadems. written. Diadems. Diadems? Yeah. Are those different than diamonds? Yeah, diadems are like crowns. Oh. Yeah. I had no idea. Yeah. I, he, well, got, he got he the king of kings. I learned something. Yay. He has many crowns, and he has a name written on uh, that no one knows but himself. He's and he's clothed in a robe dipped in blood. Mm. And interestingly enough, no battles happened yet. So right. Where so where did the blood come from? We'll from? talk about that probably. And the name by which he's called is the Word of God. And the armies of heaven are arrayed in fine linen, white and pure. We're following him on white horses. Interesting. We've been told about characters in this story who are clothed in white linen. It's the martyrs. Yeah. It's those who've already spilled their blood, like Jesus has spilled his blood. Mm -hmm. They're the army. Yeah. The army of is an army of the dead that have been risen. It's like Return of the King. Uh, it's like Return of the King. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> or, or Return uh, of the King is uh, like Revelation. Yeah, yeah. Return of the King. <laughs> we know Tolkien. Yeah. <laughs> uh, from, and then from Jesus' mouth comes a sharp sword. Uh, to strike down the nations, specifically nations. Remember, mm -hmm. if Babylon's Israel, this is the nations, right. the problem of the empire. 
Yep. Uh, now that the, the, the age of the temple has ended. Right. And he will rule them with a rod of iron. He will tread, and the, here he treads them in the winepress of the fury of his wrath uh, of the God, the Almighty. And on his robe and on his thigh, the, he has written the name King of Kings and Lord of Lords. The ironic victory of the martyrs. That's right. Those they trampled do some trampling. That's, that's exactly yeah, okay. right. And so this is a picture of how God comes and destroys the empires of the world. Mm. There will be a day coming when the empires of the world, the power of the state, will be undone by Jesus with a robe dipped in blood mm-hmm. and a whole bunch of other martyrs clothed in white who have also died <laughs> for the name of Jesus. Yeah. And by the simple words coming out of his mouth, they are utterly destroyed. Yeah. I'm like, I've always, and I don't think there's any problem unless you can point one out to me that might be helpful. <laughs> it's yeah. like, of thinking about this as, Jesus' second coming or something like that. Right, that's right. But you could all, I'm also like, you're training me to read the book of Revelation. I'm like, oh, this is also communicating a truth that is happening now that is a major theme in Revelation is that empires fall because of the word of Jesus and the testimony of the martyrs. Yeah, that's right. It's like, you don't even have to go to battle. That's right. Right. Like, because we walk around in robes dipped in blood. That's right. We conquer by the blood of the lamb and by the word of his testimony. Right. And what do we see here? Jesus conquering by the blood on his robe, which presumably has to be his own because there's been nobody killed yet. And the word of his testimony, the proclamation of the gospel. It just makes sense that, okay, how how are we finally going to defeat Babylon? Is God going to get just real bloody? And, you know, like, uh, maybe. Right. I mean, I actually don't have a problem with God's wrath. But... As we're just following the, yes. the the themes of Revelation, it's like, man, it's interesting that there's something about the testimony of the martyrs and the testimony mm-hmm. of a God who dies yes. out of the love of his people, that that's going to undo society in some way. Yes. <laughs> like cataclysmically. Yes. It's like going to, the gospel's going to get such a foothold that it yes. undoes society. Yes. Uh, I just want to, I'm just excited for that day. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. It's, it's going to be a great it's day. It's going to be a good day. Uh, but here's a question, David. Oh, okay. If the powers of false religion are destroyed, the powers yes. of the temple structure, uh-huh. if the power of empire is still destroyed, yep. there was a first beast, right? Satan. Satan himself yes. is still yet to be destroyed. So yeah, the second beast, in a sense, if he was the religion one, yep. was destroyed. The first beast, being the nations, was destroyed. Mm-hmm. But what about that ancient serpent that That's was right. hurled down from the heavens? That's right. Where, what's he doing? What's he doing? And well, he is destroyed. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he is destroyed. <laughs> that Amazing. Is, yeah. There. This is probably. I'm. I'm trying to skip over the most controversial passage. Which is fine. Here. We'll just do that. But there is like a period of time where yes. God's people are victorious. Right. And ultimately, that victory leads to the destruction of Satan, death, and hell. And they mm-hmm. are thrown into a into a, a pit, never to rise again. That is really interesting, too. And it's another kind of reason for maybe to add a couple of percentage points to your uh, your your uh, assurance on how much you agree with how yeah, you're interpreting yeah. <laughs> right now is like it's a, it's a chiasm. The three are a chiasm. Okay. Because you have Satan's introduced and thrown down. Then it's the first beast. Then it's the second beast. Yes. And then it's Babylon as Israel is destroyed, which yeah, was you said be- the second beast. That, and then it's yeah, yeah, the the yeah. first beast, which is, which is the the nations are destroyed, and then it's Satan. That's right. That's so, exactly which right. Which is how Hebrews write. The end of Revelation is all the enemies of God destroyed: false religion, corrupt empire, and that a, that ancient animating cosmic force of evil trying to devour the people mm-hmm. of God, all destroyed. Yes. By the end of the Book of Revelation. Well, that leaves us with one more problem, Seth. What's the one? Let, let, me, let me ask you yeah. this. If the religion has been, you know, the religious order has been destroyed, yeah. if the national kingdom order has been destroyed, and if the God and prince of this world has been destroyed, what's on the earth now? It's just <laughs> it, nothing. <laughs> <laughs> what happens next? No, a new heavens and a new yeah! earth come. A new heavens <laughs> and a new earth come to occupy what's left of the earth. Yes. To, to take over. Yeah. The purified land. I think we've avoided a lot of controversy. <laughs> I hope so. Oh, we're just like, trying to be helpful. Or there's going to be. So, uh, they, I will have stepped in it. It's yeah, like, we probably oh, have. Get- but this is it, this is a controversy worth having, and I don't think it's as controversial as it used to be. Okay. Is the it's just what is heaven? Okay. Right, because I think for a lot of people, there's this view of heaven as 
a place that we will go when up we, in the sky when we die yeah right and maybe there's like an intermediate thing there maybe you know the, the, it the seems martyrs to be the case that the martyrs are, up are there. Yeah, sure. ruling with jesus right now in some way fine at some point though when the new heavens and new earth are created there is this earth-like but heavenly-like new eden garden place where we will walk around in resurrected bodies mm-hmm. and enjoy the best parts of life you know i, I often hear like yeah. a big critique of like christianity is like i don't want to live playing a harp up on a cloud forever yeah yeah, yeah. it's like dude that is not the vision of heaven that the bible presents no it's like we're talking about a perfect earth yeah that god lives on and we live on in perfect bodies yeah where we get to do the coolest stuff ever i remember when you got back from your vacation in hawaii yes and like outside your your like uh bungalow or whatever yeah. was like you said oh. there's like 60 different fruit trees. Yeah, there's cherries and avocados and mangoes, and it was awesome. <laughs> it was like, I just felt like that's like the Garden of Eden. Yeah. It was just like <laughs> this perfect place. And so uh, I just wanted to like stop and just make sure as we talk about the end of the story here yeah, that people aren't casting this vision up into the clouds. No, this is here now. This is is heaven and earth coming right. together, yeah. and we get to be in it like Adam and Eve in the garden, but even better. And if you're paying attention to Revelation, Revelation has been doing that for you the whole time. Mm. The cosmic force of the heavens has been thrown down to the earth mm. through the whole book. Yeah. Where's Satan? On the earth. Where are the bowls happening? On the earth. Like yeah. all this, the cosmic force of the heavens have been being sucked down to the earth time and time again, generally to destroy it, to purify it. Yeah. But now something's coming down out of the heavens to make it new. Behold. Yeah. So the scroll was opened. Oh, oh, the scroll. Oh, uh, my God. The, uh, the interludes of uh, Okay. The scroll was opened. The scroll was opened. The trumpet and, and, sounded. And it was like, I was like, shut up, everybody. We're going to listen. We're going to listen to the scroll. Trumpets blow. The yes. seventh trumpet. It's like, here we go. We're going to hear it. Oh, no. Here's the Ark of the Covenant. Okay. There's one big final battle against evil to be done. Yep. The blood of those who have died for Christ has been poured out and not just false religion, but empire and Satan itself yep. are destroyed in the aftermath. So finally. And then, well, hold on. And then the the lamb that sits on the throne, that throne comes down to earth. Yep. Yep. That's and he's right. holding the scroll. He's holding the scroll. And what does he say? And he who is seated on the throne said, behold, I am making all things new. Hallelujah. It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. And to the thirsty I will give from the spring of the water of life without payment. And the one who conquers will have this heritage. I will be his God and he will be my son. Mm. And remember, what did Moses say when he was sprinkling the blood of the bulls Mm. on the new Israel? He said, I will be your God. He will be our God and we will be his people. Same thing is happening right here. And that's the end of the story. I mean, kind of. Kind of. uh, But yes, Heaven comes down. Heaven comes to earth. The scroll is read. Yeah. God's forever kingdom is established. Mm. And then a description of that kingdom comes in a second. Yeah. Okay. Do we need to talk about that? We should talk about okay. it because we've kind of got to the end of like the the narrative story. Yep. But what about the people suffering? Oh, yeah. <laughs> this was written for them. Right. How are they transformed in all this? Okay. You told me about the cosmic nature of my suffering yeah. you've told me a little bit about what's going to happen in the future satan's going to come crashing down and be locked up forever awesome what does that make me now mm. what will that make me then yeah right like that yeah. question is still live and in the air okay so uh, how does he answer those sufferers questions he says their answer is given in a new jerusalem mm. one of the same angels that poured out one of the bowls um, talks to John. He says, come, I'm going to show you the bride, the wife of the lamb. Mm. And he carried uh, John away in the spirit to a high mountain. And he shows him the holy city, Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God. And it has the glory of God. So that God's bride looks like God. Mm. It's radiance like a most rare jewel, like Jasper, which is one of the same precious metals that was described as God in his throne room oh, back right. in chapter yes. four. Uh, clear as crystal. It had a great high wall with 12 gates. Uh, and on the gates, the names of the 12 tribes of the sons of Israel were inscribed. On the east, three gates. On the north and the south and the west, three gates. And the wall of the city had 12 foundations. And on them were the 12 names of the apostles of the Lamb. And then the one spoke with me. 
he had a measuring rod of gold to measure the city and its gates and its walls. And he measured the city as a cube, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, 12,000 stadia by 12,000 stadia by 12,000 stadia. So you can get lost in the numbers and you can get lost in the weeds. But the big point here is John's being given a vision of God's people, mm-hmm. the new Jerusalem, God's bride, the church. And this is what she will look one day look like in glory. Mm. She'll look like this perfect cube. <laughs> is that good news? It's such good news. Why? <laughs> because the only other structure that is measured and is a cube is the Holy of Holies in the tabernacle ah. and in the temple. Yes. The one other place in the Old Testament that's a perfect cube that's measured is the central place of God's power and authority and presence. Right. Where only one high priest once a year was right. able to go. And so who now embodies the presence of God? God's all, people. All his people. All his people. Mm. We are the burning center of his activity mm. in the new heavens and the new earth. <laughs> we Hold on. Uh, we are the burning center <laughs> of his activity. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tattoo that song. <laughs> That's too good. Yeah. 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 And we're and we're told in this new Jerusalem that there is no temple. Right. Because we are the temple. Yes. With Jesus. Right. We are his body, the temple. Uh there's also no light and no sea and a whole bunch of other details. Because but like, Jesus is our light and all that Jesus awesome stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is uh, a great place to just come meditate. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you want to meditate about stars for a second? Sure. I so, like I, don't have an, I feel like I don't I I don't really have another option. <laughs> Let's land the plane about us being this perfect cube for a second. Yeah, okay. It's good news that we're the cube. <laughs> Can't get over that. We are the burning center of, of God's, God's activity. activity in the world. Yep. And in the new heavens and the new earth, this is who we'll, we will be in perfection. Mm-hmm. We will rule with God like Adam and Eve did, extending the boundaries of God's world and maybe even the cosmos. Right. Who knows? Maybe we'll in, be terraforming planets. Sure. Let's, but in, we'll do so in perfect harmony and proximity with yes. God's glory. And all that creative energy that every human ever feels to do something significant yeah. will be accomplished. Right. We'll be our true human selves. Yeah. We are meant to be with all the power and capacity to do so. Right. I mean, the Holy of Holies, the temple itself, was a huge act of creativity. That's right. And the people who made it were filled with the Holy Spirit in great skill and craftsmanship. Yes. To accomplish, like, yes. Yeah, so, so totally. that will be the, our job in the world is yeah. to express our creativity. Cosmic as, gardeners. Yes. So fun. Yeah. But this isn't just a picture of who we will be then. It's actually a picture of how God sees us right now. Mm. What does Paul say in Ephesians? That right. His, the church has been made spotless mm-hmm. by the blood of Jesus. This is a picture of who we are right now. Mm. And we have not yet been unveiled. So, okay, hold right, on. Yeah, right yeah. there, you, I feel like your our finger's like on the pulse uh, uh, uh. of what's the best news here is you're like, look at this, look at what will be. Look at this, look at this picture. We're we're going to be the burning center of God's creative action. Mm-hmm. Amazing. Let me take the veil off, though, because that's what we said at the very beginning. Right. Was Revelation is an unveiling. Yeah, an apocalypse. It, that's it, what apocalypse is. It's an apocalypse. It's an, it's an unhiding. <laughs> There's something hidden, and I want to show it to you. And the the big open the curtain moment is you are the center of God's creative activity in the world right now. Yeah. You are where his Holy spirit dwells. Mm -hmm. You are on thrones. Now you are his Holy bride. Now as you sacrifice, people are transformed. Totally. Yeah. You can be a priest in a kingdom in this world right now. Mm -hmm. And he's like, you think you're suffering and that that might be pointless but let me show you everything that that means. You are the cube. <laughs> yeah, you are the cube. <laughs> That's awesome. Okay, uh, how does the, how does the very end of the book come together? There is a final image of a river of life mm. um, that comes out from the throne of God and waters the whole world. And I think this is just an image of the world as it should be. From mm. God's presence, life trickles out of the whole world and yeah. we'll experience Kind it. of an opposite of the curse. Opposite of the curse. Out of the garden came an edict of God that cursed the whole world. And now there's a river of life-giving activity that waters the whole world. Yeah. This river of life heals the nations. Yeah. The objects of God's Mm. wrath throughout it. 
members of those nations are included in this kingdom. Every tribe, every, every nation, yeah, every yeah, language. Yeah. And we'll see his face. And the, the oh, wait, uh, hold on. Uh, uh, <laughs> we can't just, I at least uh, have to uh, freak out even if I don't unpack uh, it. We can't just skim past the coolest thing ever. Yes. We will uh, see his face. The we'll one see. thing that you, you can't look at. That's right. Moses wanted to look at it and it said yeah. kill him. There will yeah. be a time when we, we, we will be able to behold what people have called the beatific vision of God's yeah. face and not only not die, it will be what makes us thrive. Yes. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Okay. Uh, God's <laughs> names will be on our forehead. So that's exciting. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, that's too much. That, yeah. There's a lot going on. This is an image of us being priests again. Remember mm. the priests. Oh, right. The phylacteries. The phylacteries. So, so we, and what do priests do? They, are the burning center of God's action in the world. Yes, they're they're right. do, doing the work of atonement and sacrifice, and that's right. what Adam and Eve were in the garden. They're tending yep. and keeping. But it the, won't be a covenant that's on their head anymore, saying, like, if you do these things, then you'll be my people. He's just going to stamp Yahweh's on our head. Yeah. You belong to me now. And what I do is what you do. Yeah. Yeah, it's going to be <laughs> awesome. Bound. Uh, there'll be no more uh, night anymore, mm -hmm. no more sun anymore. Oh, we could nerd out about stars for a second <laughs> yep. before we get to the end. Go for it. So... The idea that there will be no sun or moon or stars yes. in heaven. Oh, because didn't they think those were like the heavenly beings? Was that the idea? Well, or something different? yes and no. Okay. So Christine's uh, over here freaking uh, out. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so back in Genesis, right? Yeah. You have stars that are created. Yes. I remember that. Right? <laughs> and do you remember the strange phrasing with which they're described? In the book of Genesis? No. It says this, Let there be light in the expanse of the heavens to separate uh, the day from the night. And let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and years. And let them be lights in the expanse of the heavens and give light upon the earth. And other translations will talk about the stars governing times right. and seasons. Yeah. And this is where day and night come in. Yes. Okay. So there's this idea that stars govern time. Okay. Or govern seasons. Yeah. And that's just astronomically true. When certain constellations are in the sky. It's that season. It's that season. Sure. They govern right. the seasons of the earth. You can't have that season without those constellations. They're that, mapped onto each that's other. That's right. The sun rules the day. Yep. When the sun's up. It's daytime. It's daytime. <laughs> and it, it determines... That it is daytime. That it is daytime. Right. The moon is up. It determines that it's nighttime. That's right. Because in that you know, ancient Near Eastern cosmology, it's like you didn't know about the earth turning on an axis. Right. It's like the sun... It's like it's day now because the sun is here. Yes. But then, oh, the night takes over and the stars are governing what's happening now. Yes. Okay, I understand. And then throughout the Bible, though, kings are often described as stars. Yes. Because they... I mean, like, Mufasa did that too. M Mufasa did that too. <laughs> but because, particularly because they determine seasons. Okay. Because you name history after particular leaders. This was the Roman Empire. The mm. star of Rome determines the time for I us. See. We measure history by... We determine times right. and seasons by the leaders oh, and sure. the empires are in power. Okay, it's like when you're reading uh, like First and Second Kings or Chronicles and you're like, during the reign of King whatever. That's right. That's, yeah. a, that's a light in the sky that determines the season for that okay. time. All right. right, okay. Okay. So throughout the whole Bible, this is the way that the imagery of stars are used, that they set and determine seasons of life on earth. Okay, yes, I'm, I'm with you. Right? Yep. So I'm, I'm nerding out on this because I thought this was so fascinating. I'm just ready. I'm ready for the shoe to drop. Interestingly, throughout Revelation, over and over again, stars fall from the sky. Yeah, right. The things that ordain the th way we name our world and our history fall from the and sky. Govern ourselves? Yeah, like, well, it's like Rome no longer defines the times. Oh. The America no mm -hmm. longer defines right. the times. Postmodernism no longer defines mm -hmm. the times. These stars fall throughout yeah. Right, the, the 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 medieval ages, the Enlightenment. Yeah, all these ways okay, we yeah. depict seasons. Okay, fall. Okay, so when we get to the new heavens and the new earth, and there are no lights, yeah, what does that mean? Only God determines the time. He is the ultimate defining factor mm. for all of reality. There is no more conditionality to what happens on the earth. 
There are no more seasons, seasons. in him. There's no more rise and fall of one po- empire or another. Right. There is only one governor. The, the, the wheel of time doesn't just turn over, right. bringing up new horrors every right. time it spins. Right. There is only light. Oh, gosh. Isn't that cool? That's really good. Isn't that cool? <laughs> yeah, that's really good news. Yeah. Oh, uh, man. Making all things new. Making all things new. And then, I mean, let's just en- land, we, we gotta land, land the plane. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. <laughs> um, <laughs> there's an ending call to John to record the words of these prophecies mm-hmm. by the angel. And he does so. And then we have this command, this this last line from Jesus in, uh, in verse 12. Behold, I am coming soon bringing my recompense my i'm avenging with me to repay each one for what he's done i'm the alpha and the omega the first and the last the beginning and the end Mm. and he continues but this is the ending of this story that god is coming soon yeah that's the last thing he says yeah surely i am coming soon that's right Amen, come Lord Jesus. Amen, is, come Lord is Jesus. how John responds to that. And that's that's the end of yeah. the book of Revelation. There's more we could say. But, oh, ab- yeah. unendingly more. Yeah. The book starts mm-hmm. with, here is an unveiling of some things that are about to happen. Right? That yes. are happening soon. Yes. And then our response to this book is, yes, let it come soon. Yes. Even if that means suffering. Mm-hmm. Even if that means dying. Mm-hmm. Even if that means spilling our blood. Yeah. If it means ushering in this kingdom, oh, it's so worth it. Yeah. Come, Lord Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus. That's good. Well, we obviously didn't turn over every stone. Nope. Not we even av- close. We avoided many. Yep. But hopefully this has given everybody, it's definitely given me better parameters and tools to use as I walk this book. So thank you, Seth, for all of that. And thank all of you for listening and following along yes. uh, on this journey. It's been really, really fun. Uh, go read Revelation if you haven't yeah. been already. Yeah. Dive in, savor it, and man, pray the prayer of John. Yes. <laughs> Come Lord Jesus. Yeah. yeah. Hopefully in the next couple of weeks we'll be in the book of Chronicles. So mm. if you got excited about Revelation, you should be totally excited for Chronicles. <laughs> um, I'm excited about that. Yeah, it's going to be yeah. awesome. Well, thank you all for joining us, and we will see you next time. Thank you for listening to the Spoken Gospel Podcast. Spoken Gospel creates short films, devotionals, and podcasts like this one. Everything we make is free because of generous supporters like you. To see our resources, visit SpokenGospel.com or subscribe to our YouTube channel. Thanks for listening. See you next time.